All of us want to be proactive about our health, right? We get physical checkups every year. We watch our waistline. We get our blood work done. We worry about things like cancer and heart disease, diabetes, Alzheimer's disease. But there's more out there that we seldom even consider that can be vitally important to us. I'm Bill Schaefer with Mark Middleton, and this is Growing Bolder. And on this program, we're going to bring those things to the forefront for you. That's a pretty big promise, Mr. Schaefer, but I believe we will deliver because we're going to be joined joined by one of the most influential psychiatrists in the country, brain expert Dr. Daniel Amen. We'll talk about why depression and anxiety are now at near epidemic levels and different ways to deal with some of the most common issues we're all facing. Also, What's your ethnicity? Do you know much about the culture you came from? Well, today we're going to meet a guy from the Caribbean who wanted to celebrate his. We'll hear how what he learned along the way actually changed his life and why he believes the same could happen for you. But first, did you know that one of the most damaging things to our health is loneliness? Feeling alone and isolated is prevalent as we age and can have some devastating effects on our health. Relationship expert Susan Winter is here with some interesting ways to stay in the game. We got some fascinating people, some compelling stories, and some cutting-edge information all right now on Growing Boulder. Her name is Susan Winter, and she's going to inspire us, probably scold us, maybe even threaten us, but hopefully empower us. She's a relationship coach who sees the big picture, the one most of us lose sight of. She's going to hold that big mirror in front of us and make us take a good look. She's a best-selling author of the books Allowing Magnificence, Breakup Triage, The Cure for Heartache, From Negative to Positive in 20 Minutes, and my least favorite of her books, Older Women, Younger Men. We'll talk about that more. Let's say hi to Susan Winter. Susan, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning. How are you doing? Nice to talk to you today. Well, we're grateful to have you here. Let's start with you. You've done a lot in your life. Tell us a little bit about your background and of all the things you could have done for a career. Why did you end up settling on relationships? I, I Believe me, Bill, I didn't mean to get here. This is one of those interesting things. Sometimes life puts you where you really can best serve. And I went to a local gym and there was this gorgeous young man, 20 years younger. He flipped from 18 to 19. I flipped from 39 to 40. And our relationship in this very rural area was if I say controversial, that's you might as well put a scarlet letter on me. Just I was I was fodder for everybody. It was terrible. And I lived through that for seven years, which, you know, it's it's so uncomfortable. His family basically said it's her or us. And I suffered so badly to love somebody that was not allowed. This love was not allowed. Had I just treated him like a toy, everybody would have been fine with it. And then I thought, if I'm living this, what about other people? And I began to do some research, got a book contract as a first-time author, had a platform, had something to say, love can exist with an older woman and a younger man, not about opportunity, not about manipulation, not about mommy syndrome. It could just happen that way. Look at, you know, Emmanuel Macron, right? So you can't call these guys toy boys. And my goal was just to let the world know that this can and does exist. 
That's it. All right, we're talking with Susan Winter, relationship expert, explaining kind of how she backed into this through her own personal experience. And, you know, this subject, man, you know, whether it's it's your example, whether it's uh, an older guy and a younger woman, whether it's just people out there not necessarily even looking for love, but just friendship and relationships. This is a huge topic, and it's getting bigger all the time as we age. As we said earlier, we're finding out how important this is. But Susan, the problem is we always go back in our heads to what it was like when we were 18 or we were 25, and it's not the same. Can you talk a little bit about what does it take to expand our relationships, to to have better relationships as we get older. Oh, wow. So for mature citizens, um, we are bringing forward our understanding of relationship fundamentals. That's a very good thing. Here, it's positive in that we know how to have a relationship. We've been in longstanding relationships, living together, marriage. This is probably our history. Now, We get into modern dating. If we find ourselves single, we merge into the fast lane. We're at 65 miles an hour, but they're actually going 80. And we're like, oh, my goodness. What's a hookup? He ghosted me. What are these things? You know, the bad behavior that we're seeing nowadays that started after the year 2000 when the structure was blown apart as far as traditional relationships. My goal has been since older women, younger men to allow for a greater template for more inclusion. And I realized that there was no infrastructure. So when you're no longer, you're going, I don't want a traditional relationship. I want to do what I want to do. I don't like this. I don't like that. You haven't put the pieces together for a soft landing. And many people were crying and confused and they are still today, which has given me an unexpected career to walk them through an insane world where people are exhibiting bad behavior and all these individuals want to do is find meaningful connection. Much like you said at the top of the hour, it's so important to have rewarding, meaningful connection with other humans beyond loneliness, you know, partnership, companionship, a sense of belonging. These are essential to us and partnership has offered this to us in the past. And I think, too, Susan, there's a there's a mistake that we make, too, is we jump to the conclusion that we're talking about single, divorced people, because just because you're married and maybe have been for decades, that doesn't mean it's okay to be on cruise control in your own relationship and in your own life. And as we said, sometimes there there are married couples who have that wall between them that are anything but fulfilled. I agree. And. This is why the divorce rate is so high, and it's also the reason why some people, and I know quite a lot of them personally, are of a certain age where even though it is suboptimal, even though they know that they are not loved, they know that the other person is there either for money, lifestyle, or they're just too scared and lazy to enter the dating world again, they're too old. They don't want to start all over again. They've made peace with what they've got. And they just muddle through. And that's not a quality life. I do understand. It's a difficult choice, Bill. When when do you hold and when do you fold? When do you throw, like, pick up your winnings or when do you roll the dice one more time? You've got 45%. You don't like it, but at least it's 45%. Can you roll the dice again at age 60 and get 70%? Th- these are the questions we ask ourselves. 
I think we almost have to go back to kind of answering a few questions in our own head. Like what, what, what is love? Is love that something, is it something that happens by accident and strikes you like in a movie when Cupid fires his bow? Is it a choice? Do we decide, do we make that decision that yes, this is where my attention is going to go? How, how do we even define that in our own heads? For me, love is a choice. It's an active choice. I need to take responsibility for it. Um, the, you know, there are some cute little quotes like love just hits you. It's like a virus or it's a cold. And I understand that it feels like that when you suddenly just have your heart blow open. One person, this one individual has creates a reaction within you that you're like, where did that come from? Oh my gosh, I'm just so drawn to them. We didn't perhaps expect or weren't looking for it and they had an effect upon us, but the choice of continuing to involve ourselves in that dynamic. That is a choice. In marriage, it is a choice every day to recommit to that partnership. It is a choice to be active in its growth, to try to continue to court, to try to continue to be interesting to each other and not to sit back and just go, well, this is it, because that will destroy the relationship. Do, do we have more unrealistic standards as we get older? I mean, do we, you know, it is, it is so tough to get out there and to meet people. It's very difficult. And then you finally hit the lotto because you find somebody you can tolerate. And then the next thing you know, you've put all of your attention and focus there and it's not the right person. And you feel like, well, this isn't for me. I'm never doing it again. You see, I, I, but I'm very much about just continue doing it. I think resilience is something that we all need all throughout life. We are resilient with challenges. We may have health issues. Some people have had financial issues. We have to believe in ourselves and go forward. So I'm an advocate for get in the ring, you know, get ready, be active, try, try to find love if you want to. If you don't want, if you don't want a date, don't let anybody make you feel guilty. There's a flip side to this that many people are pressured into being with somebody. They're pressured by society. Valentine's Day pushes their buttons. And they, they have friends say to them, oh, but I just want you to be happy. There are indeed some very secure singles. There are people who are completely fulfilled with their life, their work, their hobbies, their charities. And for them, maybe if they want a relationship, that's fine, but it's not their dominant goal. There are other individuals that cannot be alone and are really in need of partnership. And without that, they will wither because they are so isolated. So All right, Susan, I, I, I've sort of been holding back on asking this question because it's a big one. And it's, it's one I think I, I, we've gotten questions on our Facebook page about oh, this. Really? We hear this all the time. Yeah. Okay. So there's a new tool in the toolbox that we didn't have when we were growing up. And, and probably, thank goodness, we didn't. But it's this online dating. You can't watch a TV show without seeing 50 ads for, you know, just log on to this website and meet people. Or What is it like? Is it something you recommend or should we like run like crazy away from it? I personally don't like it only because I'm spoiled. Like other people of my generation, I got to meet people in real life. But it is an essential tool because think of this. We've come out of a year of COVID. Many cities were locked down. People want to communicate. They want connection. So what happens is online dating allows you to expand the geography of potential partners. It's really cool. In that way, it's like 
Imagine it's like being on Facebook, like, oh, I never knew Mary before. She's really cool. Now we've become friends. So technology has allowed us a much wider uh, group from which we could find prospective mates. And in that way, it's wonderful. Now, the pitfalls are the games and the nonsense and the anonymity. Those are the pitfalls. And the bad behavior is rampant. I think, Susan, the most difficult part, whether you're dieting, whether you're deciding to exercise or, or wanting to get into running, whatever it is in your life, it's the first step. How do you take the first step? Because usually that is the hardest. So in somebody who's sitting at home and they've been thinking, you know, I, I'm, I'm not unhappy, but I'd really like to find out if there is somebody for me out there. How do you start? What do you do? Go snoop about Ask your friends what they use. I am sure that somebody in your social group is on an app. There's Our Time. There's uh, Bumble for women if they want to make the first move and not have guys come after them. You know, there are all sorts of, there's the league for people that have an Ivy education, elite singles. I'm not connected with any of these, so I'm not I'm not trying to give a, a some kind of endorsement here, but I'm just saying there are a multitude coffee meets bagel. They just go on and on and on. And the wonderful thing that you might enjoy as you research, there are apps that are dating apps that are very specific, very niche, you know, like farmers. If you're a farmer, if you are a golfer, there's fitness singles. If you're somebody who's into fitness. So finding something that you already have in common is a good connector, but ask your friends, step into the waters have a professional help you if you're concerned, have some good photographs. Um, let people know straight up that you're looking for whatever you're looking for. You're looking for companionship. You're looking for romance. And understand that you will get a mixed bag. You do not know these people. You don't even know that they are who they say they are. So there are some sites that offer verification, meaning the person is who they say they are. There are some sites that even offer criminal and background checks and financial checks, that if you say you're on millionaire match, that you are indeed a millionaire. So there are ways around this. I'd start the educational process. Ask your friends. If you have a friend who's online, go sit next to them when they're snooping around and say, oh, is this how it works? Or swipe. It can be a lot of fun. Look at it like an adventure. You don't have to stay involved, but it could be fun. It seems like sometimes we have unrealistic expectations. We want to avoid the hurt and the pain that comes with it. But really, that's part of the adventure. And that's part of the if it was easy, you know, it wouldn't be that big a deal. But it's it's pretty tough. Can, can you tell us a little bit just so we realize that it's something everybody goes through? Did you go through a lot of that as well in, in your in your oh, yeah. experience? Oh, I've had heartache. You can't write Break up triage if you haven't been sobbing yourself to sleep at two in the morning and having conversations with somebody that's not there. I mean, of course, I've had heartache. I've been fooled. I've been dumped. I've dumped people. I've had long-term relationships. I've had relationships I thought would last forever. I've had relationships I didn't want to last forever. You you can't really you know advise if you haven't been around every corner. And I, I told you before we went live that. I did personal research for myself from like 2004 to about 2008, maybe 2003 to 2008. I 
purposefully dated the worst men in the world, half my age, no skill set for a relationship. I knew they would buck me off the ride. And I did it because I was trying to speak to, believe it or not, my audience is predominantly millennial. It's everybody. I've got 18 to 70, but I needed to retrace the steps that women were going through in today's world. Even 50-year-olds would be going through this. And I needed to get out there, experience these things with these fellows, get the bad behavior, see if I could find a way around it and how to correct it. It was the best training ever. I sobbed my way through it. I was the lab rat for my own experiment. Then I got smart. Then I learned how to gain admiration. Then I learned how to be resilient. And, you know, it proved my point that a a self-possessed, dignified love is the best position from which to enter relationships Because if you're not open and loving and giving, they have nothing to attach to. So people are so terrified of falling in love and being hurt. Well, they're terrified of being hurt. So they close their heart. And then you've just denied anybody that emotional Velcro because that's what they connect to. Think of puppies. Think of babies. It's that unguarded I'm showing up. So if I can help people teach them how to be strong in their courage, how to be bolder, right? Then they will have a better chance at love rather than cowering, being guarded and being defensive. You mentioned earlier something really interesting to me about there are a lot of us who say, look, I'm alone and I'm fine. I like it the way it is. But we're learning more and more about the power of social connection and how important it is. And it doesn't have to be like a a romantic thing. Uh, It's just stepping out of your comfort zone, finding like-minded groups, which social media is very helpful at, but just expanding outside of ourselves to to give us the the ability to be compassionate towards somebody else or or, or to to be more active and involved and relevant. Uh, how, How does that play into all this? I think relevance is a very good point. That's excellent. I think what happens is As people retire, as they're supposed to be living their golden years, there is a loss of identity. There's a loss of connection with what's going on. So staying connected to people and to passions, to things that you love, will keep you alive. Having a mission, having a purpose, feeling that you're needed, not only needed, but wanted. These are important factors that give us a vital life force. And, and, you know, make us more enjoyable to be around. So it's kind of a circle. And you're absolutely correct on that point. We see, we meet people all the time who have, who have uh, started and ignited romances in their 80s and, and over. And they're just as, as, they're like a couple of teenagers. And, and I, I think what we learn and what we see is that people who share uh, common outlooks on life. You know, they, 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 they don't want to waste a day. They want to live life to the fullest. They, they have a sense of adventure and a sense of respect and, and, an, and a desire to make a difference in the lives of others. Bill, you're so on point. I mean, you have to be courageous. If you want to stay alive, you need to be doing things that are interesting to you. You need to feel as though your life has purpose. And as far as connecting, I always suggest, if possible, join groups where you have a real interest. You're like, you're all about stamp collecting. Meet all your stamp collecting people. And in that group of people, you may find somebody very special, a best friend, 
a companion, a plus one. In times that I've been single, I've had an East Coast plus one and a West Coast plus one because I work out of New York and Scottsdale. And so I'd want to go to events and have my plus one with me. Or you might just find romance. And you have no problem, Susan, initiating conversation. I guess we should probably use that to kind of begin to wrap up. Uh, What can we do, uh, whether we're married or single or what, to just put some spark back in our lives? Find something that you believe in. Find a cause. Find something. You know, our life purpose is extraordinary. Sometimes we know it early on and sometimes we discover it and it evolves, but find the thing that makes your heart beat faster and follow that. Sniff that out. Follow that trail because that leads you to where all the goodies are. That's where the magic is. That's where the vitality and the vibrancy is. And the useful and and purposeful life design for you is to be as expressive. Life is about growth. Life is about expansion. So allow yourself, allow yourself to be curious, allow yourself to be adventurous and allow yourself to tiptoe to the very edge and dip your toe in and get comfortable. Well, that's fantastic because it isn't just about the destination. It's about the journey that it takes to get there. All those great movies that we love to see about romances. They're not just about everything going great. We all enjoy the, the journey and the path that it takes to get us there. Susan Winter, you're fantastic. Susan is also an author. We mentioned her books are entertaining to read. They're also helpful and interesting. If you'd like to check them out and learn more about Susan, too, I urge you to do that at SusanWinter.net. From a national expert on relationships to a foremost expert on the brain, Dr. Daniel Amen on what to do when fear, doubt, and anxiety end up holding you back. This is Growing Bolder. Support for Growing Bolder provided by The Center for Health and Well-Being, now open in Winter Park. Wholeness, fitness, and medicine together in one convenient location offering programs and services to promote healthy living and positive aging. More at yourhealthandwellbeing.org. Sign up for the Growing Boulder Insider Newsletter, delivered to your inbox every week. Be the first to see our latest interviews, stories, and tips for making each day count. Sign up today at growingbolder.com. I'm Bill Schaefer with Mark Middleton, and this is Growing Bolder. You know, Mark, a lot of us these days, and probably for the better, are kind of obsessed with our physical health. We count every single calorie, every last bit of cholesterol. I've even got my watch on so I can keep track of every (laughs) single step I take. Now, on the other hand, for our mental health, we do virtually nothing. What, take a couple vacations a year? If a doctor can look at your body scan and tell you what's going on, why can't somebody scan your brain? Well, guess what, folks? They can. And our next guest has done more brain imaging than anybody. Yeah, he really has. And what he's learned, it really is astounding and has an impact on all of our lives. There are 
some things to consider that, that are mental illness, but he frames those as brain health issues. And if you think there's nothing you can do to change those, uh, he says you're wrong. You are not stuck with the brain that you have. You can actually make it better. Uh, he has been called America's psychiatrist. He's the author of over 12 New York Times bestselling books, including Change Your Brain, Change Your Life, and Magnificent Mind at Any Age. His latest book is another great one. It's called Your Brain is Always Listening in which he explains ways to slay the dragons that keep pulling us all down, especially during this fight that we've all been engaged in against COVID-19. Let's say hello to the one and only Dr. Daniel Amen. Doc, how you doing? I'm so grateful that you're taking time to have me on. Thank you so much. Well, right back at you, because it's not often we get to talk to uh, an esteemed authority like yourself. Uh, obviously, we've all got issues. You call them dragons. Can you tell us what some of the most common ones are? And do we really have it within our own selves to, to be able to slay these? Absolutely. So I chose dragons because... I just love the analogy of these dragons breathing fire on your emotional brain, causing you to feel sad, mad, nervous, or out of control. And you can tame them. So over the last 40 years of being a psychiatrist, I have lots of tips and tools and strategies to help you. But number one is know which of the 13 dragons from the past that you have. Is it the inferior flawed dragon, the wounded dragon, the anxious dragon, the death dragon, or the one driving depression, which is the hopeless and helpless dragon? Or actually, my favorite dragon is the ancestral dragon, where the issues really aren't yours, that they belong to your mother or your grandfather. My wife's grandmother grew up in Lebanon, um, during World War One and the Great Famine. And so when the pandemic hit, I, I'd been fussing with my wife because she has a pandemic room. I'm like, come on, we live in Southern California. When are we not going to be able to get toilet paper? <laughs> and now I'll never be able to say one thing to her after this happened. But she was ready because of the deprivation her grandmother went through. And COVID-19 is going to cause a lot of ancestral dragons two or three generations from now. It seems like there's another dragon, too. And in fact, I, I guess you could say it's another type of epidemic. It's one of anxiety. seems like everybody, if you didn't have it from what we've been going through the last year, uh, you've had it from before. Not sure how much that is because of the pandemic, but it seems like we try to sweep it under the rug and st- with you know pills or self-medicating instead of doing things to dispel it altogether. No question. So 30% of America was anxious before the pandemic. Uh, it was at epidemic levels, and now that number has doubled. Uh, more than half of the population is struggling feeling anxious, tense, nervous, predicting the worst. And often what I see in my clinical practice is mismatched anxiety, where one person on a scale of 1 to 10 is like 12 uh, because of the virus, and the other person is sort of a 2 and thinks it's not a big deal. And that has caused a lot of trouble. 
But there are all sorts of ways to tame the anxious dragon from hypnosis, which I love, meditation, prayer, diaphragmatic breathing, certain supplements like magnesium, GABA, ashwagandha, theanine from green tea can be just so helpful. And your brain is always listening. It's sort of like an owner's manual for your mind. There's, there's no class in, you know, elementary school or high school on how to take care of your mind. At Amen University, it's a little university we have, we have on a high school course called Brain Thrive by 25, where we teach kids to manage their mind. And we an independent group study it decreases drug, alcohol, and tobacco use, decreases depression, and improves self-esteem. It's worth taking the time to manage your mind because your mind controls everything. And if you get that healthy, your body's going to be healthy. We're talking with Dr. Daniel Amen, uh, perhaps the world's foremost authority on, on our mind and, and brain health. And, Doc, we don't have a growing bolder dragon, but if we did, it would probably be the aging sucks, uh, life is a slippery slope dragon. Uh, we say all the time that to a large extent what the mind believes the body embraces. To some extent, our psychology drives our physiology that if we imagine a better future for us, we have a better chance of, of having that future. Do you agree with that? Does our mind have some control over the way we age? Well, no question about it. Uh, if you're chronically stressing yourself out, that produces a hormone called cortisol that wrinkles your skin, shrinks your brain, and steals your memory. Uh, also puts fat around your belly. Uh, getting your brain healthy, your mind. So I think of them sort of like hardware and software. So optimize the physical functioning of your brain, and then you have to program it right. And your brain is always listening. Talks about um, both of those, but spends a lot of time helping you program your mind to help you rather than it, when left undisciplined your mind often hurts you. So it's really interesting, too, that you're telling all this from the perspective of somebody who is moving into the later half of your 60s, and yet here you are, instead of winding down or thinking about retirement, uh, am I wrong to say that this is one of the most productive and exciting times of your life? It certainly is, and certainly one of the happiest times of my life that I just can't imagine five or six hours uh, beating up a golf ball and being mad the whole time, where if you can help someone, change someone's life, there's just nothing better than that. And um, I'm a forward thinker, so I'm always thinking, well, how's life going to be when I'm 80 or 90? And I love my four children, but I never want to live with them. I never want to be a burden to them. And what that means, I need to take care of my brain and my mind now so I can be as energetic and have as much independence uh, for the rest of my life. That only comes with a series of thousands of good decisions. And so if you don't have your mind right, um, 
there's a part in your brain is always listening about the dragon tamer, which is basically your frontal lobes. And when the front part of your brain works right, you're forward thinking, you have good impulse control, um, you can focus, you have good judgment. It's absolutely critical. With age, that deteriorates, but it doesn't have to. If you keep exercising, eating right, new learning, being engaged in projects that help other people, you can keep your brain healthy for a very long time. And folks, this is from one of the greatest brain experts our nation has ever produced. All of his books, every one of them are amazing reads. The latest one, Your Brain is Always Listening. It's a great read, and it's an important read. And you should check out his videos, too, which are on his YouTube page as well. But you'll find links to all of it at DanielAmonMD.com. Our thanks to Daniel Amon. And Mark, he has just basically put that stamp of science and credibility on things that you've said for a long time, that that it's so important to live a life of purpose, to be able to continue to make a difference, to find adventure and step out in our lives, even at an age where society tells you, well, maybe you should sit on the couch and watch a few more reruns on TV. His message, Bill, obviously resonates with millions and millions of people, which is why he's so successful and happily so, because, you know, I think the advances in our understanding of the brain and neuroplasticity, the ability of the brain to continue to grow and and create these, you know, uh, these synaptic connections is one of the greatest advances in, in science and healthcare in the past 10 or 15 years. And, you know, it just helps us all as we age. And, and, and you heard it from his own mouth that, you know, you don't necessarily have to lose brain function, just like you don't necessarily have to lose muscle mass and bone density and, and VO2 max and all these things that we've been led to believe have to happen to us. We can certainly slow them. Uh, and if we do, uh, it just enables us to live a much happier, healthier life. Isn't it funny? People are kind of used to hearing that message, but it comes from like motivational speakers or, you know, people that are trying to encourage you to get out there and go. But this guy's coming at it, Mark, from from science. This guy's imaged people's brains. He sees the cortisol develop. He, he understands what's going on. And he's the one that is kind of confirming and saying the, the same things. You've got to have these things. You know, everybody wishes they could take a pill that would help them stay young. We would mm-hmm. all take it. If there was a vaccine for youth, we would take it. But when it comes to controlling our thoughts, to staying positive, to believing in ourselves, we struggle with that a little. You know, we're always anxious for a new book from Dr. Daniel Amen. And, and, and Bill, I don't want to counter-program against ourselves, but I think a lot of you folks know that uh, Growing Boulder won a national contest to create a pledge show for public broadcasting. And our show called Launchpad to What's Next has done very well. It's based upon the premise that we're all looking for what's next. But I have to tell you, the show that crushes everybody in terms of interest uh, and viewership and, and impact for, for PBS affiliates all over the country is Dr. Daniel layman show uh people want to hear what he has to say and and it's great to hear it firsthand and i think it's part of the reason that he's been on our show multiple times is because he understands the connection he knows that that you people listening are looking at aging in a different way you're not seeing it as a as a time of decline oh challenges you better believe there's going to be challenges but it's how we face them how we step up to them and our mindset that plays a big role in determining how we get through them so how about this folks 
Let's get over our challenges together. Stay right here, and we'll have more of Growing Boulder coming up in just a moment. From an expert in overcoming your past to someone who created a museum to honor his. How culture, pride, and unity is being celebrated in South Florida. This is Growing Boulder. Sign up for the Growing Boulder Insider Newsletter, delivered to your inbox every week. Be the first to see our latest interviews, stories, and tips for making each day count. Sign up today at growingbolder.com. Miss an episode of Growing Boulder Radio? Subscribe to our podcast and get it on your mobile device. Details at growingbolder.com slash podcasts. You know, culture and diversity are now being celebrated like never before, and that is a good thing because the more we learn about each other's traditions and customs, the more enriching it is for us all. So this is the story of a man who was curious to explore his own roots, and not only did he end up learning things about himself that he never knew, but he was also inspired to share what he learned with an entire community. There are a lot of qualities that make South Florida stand out from the rest. One of the most important is its cultural diversity. And now, thanks to one man and his museum, the Caribbean culture is being celebrated like never before. Welcome to the Island Space Caribbean Museum. Come with me, join me. I want to show you what it's like to be in our space. David Muir has done what no one else has even tried. He co-founded a museum to shine a light on a too often overlooked culture. The people of the Caribbean have contributed so much to what exists in the world. And there's no place before this space that celebrates who we are. What you'll notice, which is really a part of what it is to be in the Caribbean, is to see color and to see culture and to see just things that are energetic and light and fun. Come on, let's, let me take you on a journey. There's so many tidbits of information that have bombarded me now. I, 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 I'm excited by history in a way I've never been excited before, and I never would have thought that this was my journey. David's journey began in Jamaica and then moved to America when he wanted to start a family. He was a musician, a photographer, social worker, teacher, searching everywhere for his purpose, even to the Big Apple. We moved to New York City. And that was wonderful. We did a lot of great things, had a lot of fun in New York City. But that was not Salt Florida. By comparison, not that I want to say Salt Florida is better, but to me it's way better. And it's where his life's work began to take focus. He started a company to produce the show Taste of the Caribbean, which ran on PBS and Create TV, and he loved it. He followed it up with a companion cookbook, started a traveling exhibit exploring Caribbean culinary culture, and suddenly there was no end to what he wanted to do. Every time I said, well, I'm going to do this, and everybody said, oh, you can't do that. I was like, oh, well, you better watch out because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it happen. There's nothing that someone would say, oh, you can't do that, that I would ever say, oh, no, you're right. No, I'm going to say, no, I am what I am. 
And most important, he found a home in South Florida, a community eager to learn, to experience, and to celebrate. It was a community where David felt safe enough to be himself and proud enough to reach out to bring people together. Why I think, you know, the Caribbean culture is so important is that there are so many parts of it that are common and then yet parts that are so completely different that it shows us what it is to be human. I mean, it's really about defining how we are in relation to everyone else. That's what culture is. And it's so important to, to, to feel that and to interact with that. He assumed it would be years, maybe a decade, before he could ever pull together plans and funding for a museum. But when the pandemic shut everything else down, that was his opportunity. Again, to prove that one ordinary person can be the catalyst behind creating something extraordinary. If you help someone genuinely without any thought for yourself, they will help you forever. If you help people unconditionally, what you get in return is just so amazing. For the most part, I just plow through the fear. Like, I have the fear, but I don't let it stop any part of what I'm going to do. But you just have to believe that you can get past what seems like that fear. That, that stop that's there, you can't let it stop you. you got to push past that and find solutions. And there's solutions to everything. There really are. That's just one of a number of unusual insights he's come to understand that we can all learn from. Every phone call I get, I say, good morning. And people are like, well, it's afternoon. Where, what, where are you? And I said, listen, I'm in a different time zone. My time zone is a place called happiness. It's not East Coast, West Coast. It's not Greenwich Meridian. I, I have my own time zone. I'm always in the morning. I'm always on top of the world. I'm always happy. And just having that as my predefined mindset changes everyone's dynamic around me because I'm always in a good mood. You seem, though, like a guy who feels like his best years, his most interesting adventures are yet to come. Definitely, without question. The next five to ten years are going to be crazy amazing. It's just going to be so much fun because... I haven't had a worse year yet. Like, it just keeps getting better. I never in a, in, in a thousand years would have thought that doing a book on my culture, on my country, telling my story through images of what my culture is like, that I would end up being invited to speak at Notre Dame University on culture. I would never have dreamt that. I just feel as though when you have purpose, that purpose leads you to greater purposes and they multiply. So it's just been, it's been really great. Age is something I celebrate. I am happy to be wiser. I'm happy to have more experiences. The next 10 to 20, that feels like it should be pretty awesome. <laughs> it should be good. Told you he was an interesting guy. His place is called the Island Space Museum. It's located in Plantation, Florida, and we hope it's a big, big success. This is a great example of an ordinary person who is living an extraordinary life. He followed his roots, he discovered his passion, and then he found a way to share it with the rest of us. Great job, Mr. David Muir. Up next, if you ever happen to meet swimming legend Diana Nyad, there's something you need to be sure you don't do. She'll tell you what it is next. Support for Growing Boulder provided by 
Winter Park's new Crosby Wellness Center at the Center for Health and Well-Being. More than just a gym, it features unique medically integrated programs, activities for all ages and skill levels, and free group exercise classes with memberships. More at CrosbyWellnessCenter.org. Stay connected to Growing Boulder for daily doses of hope, inspiration, and possibility. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for our latest stories and motivational pictures. My guard stood hard when abstract threats to noble, to neglect. Welcome back to Growing Boulder. This, of course, is the program that inspires you to be the best version of you that's possible. And in order to do that, in many cases, you have to learn to tune out the negativity of others because there are a lot of negative folks out there. Sometimes it's all very well-meaning, but any time that somebody tries to discourage you from doing something new, you just can't allow yourself to buy into it. At a recent Growing Boulder launch pad to What's Next live event, legendary swimmer Diana Nyad, who was the first human ever to swim from Cuba to Florida without a shark cage, and by the way, she did it at the age of 64 after failing four previous times, explains why cannot is something you should never say to her. Well, I must say, I, 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 I've spoken about, you know, people living with, you know, limitations over their heads, but um, it's clear that we are a new generation. You know, my mother died at 82, and if I really figured it out, I'd say by the time she was 55, she was thinking, what a shame, I'm, I'm, I'm heading into old age. Not that she was, she was a ballroom dancer. She did things, but her mentality was, life is kind of now passed me by. Whereas we're the rock and roll generation. We're the Vietnam War protesters. You know, we're the, we've seen that nursing home. And we've said there, there's still a lot left. And there's so many of us who feel that way that we're, we're now becoming a, a power. And I think younger people, our children, grandchildren, students are looking to us saying, you know, I don't know what anybody else thinks of 70, but that 70 I'm looking at, you know, that's the kind of 70 I want to be one day. Such a great clip. You know, we all can do so much more than we think. It's just that for whatever reason, we get beaten down by life or, or sometimes we become too afraid to try. There are things worth discussing and worth understanding and worth changing so that we can all have more adventures and live life to the fullest. And they're the kind of things that also keep Mark up at <laughs> night, trying to come up with ways to inspire us to be able to do that. So, Mark, let me ask you, what, what's on your mind today? Well, it's been harder uh, than normal lately, Bill, this past year to, to kind of look at the good side. But you know what? I, I'm thinking a lot lately about silver linings from the pandemic because we've talked to many people about it. One of the obvious ones, of course, is telehealth, something we were all resistant. It's never going away now. People are understanding, you know, the benefit of being able to talk one-on-one with their doctor. But, you know, another study that I read recently was was asked how the pandemic impacted personal relationships. And uh, I found this interesting in that multiple studies found that 73% of U.S. adults in relationships say that the quarantine actually strengthened their connection with significant others, uh, which was surprising to most people. This forced pandemic togetherness, you know, actually helped many people many couples bond as they had to work together with new routines uh, you know to to deal with the instantaneous unforeseen unprecedented far-reaching challenges that the pandemic brought upon us and those who have succeeded are the ones that ha- have been resilient and we talk a lot about resilience you know some businesses are doing 
better now than ever. Our business is. Some people are healthier than ever because of the pandemic. Uh, this is not to say that, that we haven't been lucky. We're in, a, we're in a space that we were able to continue to push forward. But, you know, when we're challenged, uh, we have to develop resilience. Resilience isn't a personal quality. Resilience is a muscle uh, that we all have to some extent, and we have to learn how to use. And, you know, so I've been thinking a lot about, you know, resilience. And, and, and if I can build a paraphrase, Charles Darwin, uh, he said it's not the strongest or the most intelligent species that survive. It's the most adaptable to change. And, and that's really the key to successful aging is being adaptable to change because, son of a gun, it's coming. Well, that's going to do it for us now. Growing Boulder never stops. Check out our beautiful, new, completely redesigned website at growingbolder.com for more interviews, stories, tools, and resources. And folks, as Mark said, don't be content just to go through the motions in your life. Live with intent. Take the road less traveled every once in a while, and you'll see no matter how old you are, how awesome life can really be when you start Growing Boulder. The Growing Boulder Radio Show is a production of Growing Boulder, LLC, all rights reserved. This program was recorded at Growing Boulder Studios in Orlando and is available as a weekly podcast on NPR One, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. It is written and produced by Jill Middleton, Mark Middleton, and Bill Schaefer. Technical director is Jason Morrow. Production manager is Michael Nannis. Chief audio engineer is Mac Dula. And our most important team member, you. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to keep growing bolder every day. Crimson flames tied through my ears, going high and mighty trapped. Countless fire and flaming road, using ideas as my map. We'll meet on edges soon, said I. So much older than I'm younger than that now. Half right prejudice leap for rip down all hate I scream. Lies that life is black and white. Spoke from my skull, I dream. Romantic flanks of musketeers, foundation deep. So much older than I'm younger than that now. In a soldier's stance, I aim my hand at the mongrel dogs who teach. Fearing not, I've become my enemy in the instant that I preach. Sisters fled by confusion boats. Mutiny from stern to bow. Ah, but I was so much old.